Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Uh, Jesse, as you've probably figured out by now, is not here today. He was on vacation this week, not feeling well this morning, and uh, he had, this wasn't a surprise. He let me know a couple of weeks ago that I'd be covering for him today. Uh, he usually says right now, thank you to the, to the worship, the, to the band. Uh, he's not here, so I get to say what I want to say, and I want to say thank you for our time of worship together. Uh, you know, we think of people on the stage, people, you know, out in front, you, you know, like you're the audience. You're not the audience. God is the audience of all of our praise. And uh, to, to be able to, to stand up here and look out and see you, I know you can't see praise, but I can see your eyes. I can see your tears. I can see what looks like your heart of worship. And, th- and that is, uh, you. Do, I mean, that's, that's just super special. I, I would invite you to sit on a chair up here some Sunday and just be able to watch that, but that would be awkward. But uh, so I just, just want to tell you, it's really meaningful to to us, uh, he, he always thanks the, the, the praise team. But I want to thank you. It, the, our worship time is super meaningful here, so thank you for that. Um, so uh, I'm not going to judge you, but let me see by a show of hands. Does anybody still have Christmas decorations up? Okay, okay yeah, see that. I see you're proud of it. I guess I do. Uh, so how many of you had them down on, like, December the 26th? Your Christmas decorations were put up. All right. Uh, what about uh, January 1st? That's a, probably a common time. We put ours up January 1st. January 1st. Uh, De- let's see, January 6th. That's a day. Anybody know what day January 6th is? That's, that was yesterday. That's the 12th day of Christmas, uh, which in some traditions, that's the last day of Christmas. That's the day after which you're supposed to put your decorations up. Uh, my, uh, one of my children, I won't say which one she is, just to protect our anonymity. <laughs> Some of you know we have two children, only one girl. But anyway, she, she used to say that uh, she, she had this thing about putting up Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. She just felt that was wrong. I think her words were, it feels like Christmas is eating Thanksgiving. And uh, so, but then she had children. <laughs> and now she puts up her decorations whenever she can get to them, and she hopes they're still intact by the time Christmas gets there. Um, my thing was more about when decorations go down, and, and uh, this has to do with grandchildren. It's, you know, sometimes we have our, like many of you, you have Christmas celebration on whatever day you can squeeze it in between the other in-laws. And, and uh, so sometimes it'd be the 26th, 27th before family would arrive, and we'd think, hey, let's go out and look at Christmas lights. And, the, you know, it's like, a wah, wah. So, you know, they're, just, they're not there. You know, people have taken them down. So, you know, they just kind of agitate me a little bit. Uh, last year, I was, I was out running. I do that for some reason. Uh, on the, I think it was the day after Christmas, and I saw somebody in a driveway down the street take, in a distance you know, taking their Christmas decorations down, and I thought, wah, 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 you know. and, and uh, I got closer, and I realized what it was. It was a, it was a, a young man, maybe my age, uh, but it was a young, maybe younger. It was a young man uh, helping his elderly father put up Christmas, take the Christmas decorations off the house, and the van was out in the driveway. With suit, and, I, and I realized that, you know, he was about to go home, and he was helping his dad take down the Christmas decorations because he wouldn't be available to, to do it later. And I thought, okay, I, was, I, should, I should, you know. So what I've decided is they're your director decorations. It's your house. It's your business. You can do whatever you want to, and I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> Unless maybe you leave them all year, then, you know, we can talk about that. But uh, so, so let's move forward to New Year's. Uh, how many of you, um, 
How many of you have written the wrong year down on a document? Stuff? Okay, one, two, three. How many of you are going to do that? <laughs> Probably before the week's over. Uh, that's part of the new year. So uh, how many of you have, have, how many of you have any uh, resolutions for the new year? Don't be afraid. Come on, be proud. Um, I think, okay, it looks like a lot of you have given up on the idea. <laughs> how many of you have, uh, like, any goals for the year? Let's just call it that, okay? Any goals for 2024? Uh, any, like, a list, maybe, even? Or, like, you even know what you're going to do for lunch today? You know, I... So, so uh, this was a really common time for, for resolutions. I, I read that um, the top resolutions, according to USA Today, for 2024 are as follows. Uh, exercise more. Uh, so I got to tell you, I, was, I went to the gym the other day, and uh, I, asked the, I was just curious. There was a lot of cars there. You know, it's January, right? And I asked the guy if they have an uptick in attendance. He's like, oh, yeah. He says, we get this. When people come in, uh, and it's been a while since I've been here. We get this little, uh, you know, alarm on the computer that tells us how many days it's been since that person was in the gym. He said we're getting like three months, six months, nine months, a year. He said he said we had a guy come in the other day, and it it uh, you know the alarm kind of on the screen said he had been there. He'd been paying for a membership, but the last time he was there was six years ago. Been paying for membership. If that was you, I'm sorry. I'm not judging. Uh, good for you for getting out there. But uh, but anyway, so the top the top ones are exercise, eat healthier, lose weight, spend more time, spend less time. Sorry, spend less time on social media, uh, spend more time with family and friends, uh, spend less money on living expenses, and reduce job stress. Any of that sound worthwhile? for, for uh, ambitions for the year, resolutions. Uh, I think some of you may be in school, maybe it's uh, more academic for you. Uh, we're thinking declutter, you know, that's kind of on our list. Um, but, you know, you know so, so we're, we're kind of in a funny time of the year. We have uh, this intersection that we're at, you know, between the holidays and the celebrations are behind us, but we're just now getting uh, turned into the new year. I went out in the front yard this morning and looked out, and I did see one house from, from my house. I saw a house with no decorations. I saw a house with Christmas decorations. I saw one with Mardi Gras decorations and one with Valentine's decorations. <laughs> so it's kind of like we're in between right now. You know, school hasn't started yet, but all the celebrations are past us. So I, I want to kind of think about some, some verses of Scripture in the context of that. These aren't like New Year's resolution verses. But I think at this point in time, they're, they're, they're about life, okay? And the point of life that we're at just happens to be at the beginning of a new year. And so I think they have some things that are really relevant as we think about what we want to do and what's important to us going forward. Uh, so if you'll, if you'll just do this with me, I, I want to look at some verses of Scripture. We covered the Christmas story pretty thoroughly the last couple of weeks. Um, Luke's account, Matthew's account. I want to look at a couple more uh, sections of verses that precede those and are just after those. So I don't know, like the pre-log and the post-log, if you're a book person or if you're a sports person, it's like the pre-game show and the post-game show. You know, what, what was going on, um, you know, just before and just after. And uh, it just, you know, see if we can find some insights there that seem relevant to, uh, to the new year and, and, uh, and, and live here thinking about some things you want to 
view differently. You know, perspectives you want to have are different, or better yet, even some things you want to do differently. So does that sound good? All right. So I'll uh, let me let me just back up and tell you a little bit about our personal experience this Christmas. Lisa and I got an Advent book. Uh, we've done that before, but we we like. Uh, we enjoyed a particular thing about this when uh, it's like, you know, I think it was 25 days leading up to Christmas. And uh, the, the kind of the theme of the book was uh, it was about God with us and, and uh, you know, Emmanuel, you know, Jesus was to be named Emmanuel. Isaiah prophesied that and, it, and that, that means God with us. And um, as sometimes our perspectives on the Christmas story and on Jesus are very, you know, lofty, uh, and, and that and it's not a bad thing. We should have a have reverence about that. But the fact that He was with us, He was one of us, is sometimes a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it seems out of touch in the way it's portrayed in literature and art, or even and then sometimes in our thinking. So the book book was sort of like kind of a uh, kind of revisiting uh, some of the stories. Like, for example, the, the trip to Bethlehem. We think of Mary and Joseph and the donkey, right? But they're probably with a caravan of family. Uh, they probably went to what, what's referred to in our translations as the inn is probably, you know, is their, they were going to their family home, you know, and, you know, this big family home. And then but they were probably, could have been staying with a, with a family member, and they're just... There's a lot of people there, right? There just wasn't a room uh, that, and they were going to have a baby. They probably didn't want to be in a room with six other families, you know, so they, uh, you know, they might have just sought isolation. We don't know. The scripture doesn't say. Um, three wise men. How many wise men were there? We don't know. <laughs> there were three gifts, so therefore there's three wise men, and we don't know how many were there. It could have been two. It could have been more than that. Um, just so there's several things. Uh, uh, one of the things is uh, childbirth, uh, you know, and, and how we picture, you know, silent night, holy night, all this calm, all this bright. I've witnessed two childbirths and I don't remember anything calm <laughs> uh, or silent about that. Uh, but again, you know, it, it was a real deal. You know, there were there were it, it hurt. It was messy. And he got here the same way you got here. And in the, in the book, and, the, and come where I'm hoping to take us right now, is sometimes we think of that as such a, a clean and sacred moment that we forget that the whole idea about God being with us is missed when we think of an out-of-touch God who got here in a, in a different way than we got here. He was very in touch. Uh, he went through what we went through. He lived life just like we did. He got here just like we got here. Um, and, it, you know, uh, this was all sort of underscored for me. We have four grandchildren. Uh, two of them are three and two of them are one. And uh, they spent several days with us at Christmas. And uh, they, so he, some of you, a lot of you are around little kids. All of you were one, but all of you around them are grandchildren. And so here's my observation about them. They're noisy, they're exhausting, they're, they have a tolerance for doing things over and over again till infinity, until you have to do something else. They're messy, uh, they put stuff in their mouth that's gross or that they shouldn't be, uh, they have no sense of danger, they need a lot of attention and redirection repeatedly. Uh, they break stuff, they hide stuff, the more valuable it is, the better they hide it. 
they insist on doing things themselves, even though they can't do it, and they get frustrated with it. They don't sleep at the same time you do. They don't come potty drained. And the weird thing is, as grandparents, we love it. We can't wait to spend more time, <laughs> more time with them. But that's how they are. I don't imagine that Jesus was any different than that. But we, but we don't think about that. He, he got here just like we got here. He was one of us. Uh, he was God with us. God is with us. Can you say that with me? God is with us. Um, I, I think, um, as I said, last couple of weeks, we've talked about Matthew and, and Luke. So I, I've got a, 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 those of you, for those of you who are visual and those of you who are nerdy, I always have a chart when I, when I speak. I just have to. So I've got one. Uh, Barbara's going to put up here in uh, just to recap the gospel accounts, uh, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mark, they believe uh, now uh, was the first written of the four. I used to think that Matthew, but currently they kind of think Mark was. Uh, so Mark, Matthew, and Luke sort of focus mostly on the events of the life of Jesus. Mark started right into John the Baptist and Jesus, Jesus' baptism. Luke and Matthew is where the bulk of the, uh, the Christmas story that, that we uh, read is found. Um, Luke uh, and Matthew both have a genealogy. It's kind of what this chart So They both have genealogy. Their audience, each uh, writer had kind of a different audience. Uh, Matthew was targeting the Jewish people, uh, Mark, the, the Romans, uh, um, Luke, uh, kind of the, uh, I forgot, the, like the Gentiles. And uh, so depending on who their, who their audience was, uh, they f- emphasized different things. So Luke and, and um Matthew both had the genealogy, the story of the birth of Jesus, and then they're fleeing to Egypt when uh, Herod was killing the baby uh, boys. Uh, then Matthew has Joseph's dream. Matthew and Matthew alone has Joseph's dream. Uh, and then Mary, uh, excuse me, and then, the, and then the story of the wise men visit. Uh, John, uh, John's kind of more of the big picture guy. The, bo- the book of John was written probably decades after the other ones were. And, uh, and it's kind of a Let's tie it all together. And he, he, he doesn't focus as much on the events as the concepts and, and, and what was going on at a, at a spiritual level through all this. And, um, and he, he, John doesn't even have any parables in it, but he's got these uh, long, longer dissertations about conversations. And uh, so that's, what he, that's kind of what he does with this, his gospel, uh, I mean, his story of the birth of Jesus. So we're going to look, look, look. We are going to Luke. We're not going to Luke. We're going to look. We're going to look at John 1, uh, at John's account of the gospel, and uh, just kind of back up where he, he starts. And it is in the beginning. Uh, I, I love that he starts his account of the birth of Christ just like Genesis has started, in the beginning. And to his reader, uh, when he said in the beginning, uh, they, knew how the, they knew how Genesis started. That sort of resonated with them. Like, okay, this is a... This is a big deal. Uh, I, I sort of sense, uh, as you read uh, John 1, that he, he uses words to express this event because that's all he's got is words. But words are not enough for him to, to express how big of a deal this is. So um, that's all we've got to work with to today. But uh, he, it's like he says, in the beginning was the word. Uh, to his reader, 
Uh, that meant something to the Jews. You know, the word was, was how creation came into existence, was God spoke it into existence. Uh, the word was where they got their prophecy. It's word, the word was their law. Uh, that, that word had a different meaning to them than it has to us. It's like if you walked, if, it's like if you went into somebody from, uh, I've had this conversation before, somebody from Kansas and said something about uh, Friday night high school football. That would mean one thing to them. To you, in this place, it means something different. So uh, when John was using the word word, it, it was a big deal. You know, it meant something more to him than just word. Uh, so here we go. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus was God from the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then we skip down to verse 10. It says, he was in the world, God with us, Emmanuel. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So our God became like us, became a child, so that we could become the children of God. Um, there is no better news than that. Uh, so, so I think one of my favorite Christmas verses that's not found in the gospel it's not necessarily a Christmas verse, but it, to me it is. It's Philippians 2. Uh, and I'm going to start with verse 6, uh, and then we'll back up a little bit after that. But uh, so, so it ties right into this, uh, you know, First John, excuse me, the John 1 account. So in Philippians 2, it says, Though he, Jesus, though, though he was in the form of God, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born of the, in the likeness of men, God with us. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confessed that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He went full circle. <laughs> he, was, he was God. He was in heaven. He made the choice to be coming to earth as humbly as he could get here, live a life just like us, and leave here as hardy as he possibly could, could leave. And he did that for us. Um, he did that for us because we deserved it. He took the punishment for our sin, and we have the opportunity to be his children and, uh, and have everlasting life with him. Um, so all of, the, all of what Paul's saying here is true. He's putting in context this, this Christmas story uh, in, a, in a bigger sense than just the events, but what really was going on and how it impacts us. So why was he saying that? Uh, the reason why Paul called attention to that and I think our takeaway is in the verses that precede that. In the first uh, six, or, excuse me, first five verses of that same book of Philippians, it says this. 
Paul says, so if there was any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participa- participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being the, of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. So he's saying, okay, let's, let's all get together on this. And, and this is the thing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, who being God, humbled himself and came and was obedient to the point of death. That's the example he's calling us to, uh, he's calling us to follow. So uh, he, 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 he came to be like us, and in turn he's asking us to come and be like him. So uh, I'm going to give you five points to take away, and I'm going I'm to uh, recap them at the, end of the, uh, at the end. So the first one is this. Uh, in the context of going into the new year and setting goals or resolutions, you don't like the word resolutions, that's fine. Uh, but set, setting goals and looking ahead, Um, here's the first takeaway. Check your motivation um, for self-centeredness or selfish ambition. That's not to be part of our motivation if we're imitating Christ. Um, You know, one one of the the main reasons I heard in a podcast not long ago, one of the main reasons people don't succeed at their goals is because they set superficial goals. Like, I want to, I want to run a 5K. And, okay. For what? Why? What's, what, or, or I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, okay, that's good. Why? Uh, but if, you're, if your goal is connected to something that you really care about, uh, I heard one the other day because, my, because a person's dad had a heart attack when he was at his age, and it made him feel serious. It got really personal when his child asked him, hey, are you going to live longer than your dad? He went on a diet the next day. You know, that's personal. That's deep, and that's... Uh, so if your if your goals are related to selfish ambition, you know, kind of shallow that way, you probably you're probably not going to stick with them. So look for something deeper than than just the, the selfishness to be part of what's motivating you. And the second point is this: uh, make sure that they are others oriented. Uh, let each of you look not only to his own interests but to the interests of others. Uh, you know. Uh, I, I told Lisa last night that there's a, there's a selfish reason to be unselfish, and if you need one, you know if you if that's where you're starting, um, you know uh, it, it, when you're recovering from grief, one of the main things that you can do is find a place to do something for somebody else, something others oriented. Uh, for depression, uh, I, I'm not an expert on this. Garrett knows a lot more about this than I do, but. That's one of the things you can do, you know, is, is get yourself in a position where you're doing, for, you know, taking your mind off yourself, off yourself and putting it into somebody else. And it's great therapy. Um, okay, so uh, th- that's, the, that's the pre-Christmas uh, story account from John. I'm going to look over in Luke in just a second. And um, this is more like the, uh, if John is the entrance ramp, Luke is the, Luke's uh, ending is a sort of like the exit ramp of the Christmas story. I'm still looking for a metaphor with this. You know, the book ends, I don't know, the, 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 the cookie part of the Oreo. But, so that's the beginning. This is the end of the Christmas story. So Luke, um, let, me, let me ask you a question first. What, what if I told you that 
uh, I could tell you 40 years ago today uh, exactly what I was doing, who I was, where I was, who I was with. What if I could tell you 40 years ago last night, let's see, what I was wearing, the car I was driving, uh, who I was with, what we talked about, uh, where I had supper, what I ordered. Uh, would that impress you, uh, that my memory is that good? What if I told you that the person I was with, uh, I gave her a ring and asked her to spend the rest of my life, her life with me, and she said yes. That was 40 years ago last night. She said yes, and my life has never been the, cha- the same. Um, and because uh, it's, it's a really big emotional life-changing event. I want you to look at this chart we looked at a minute ago in, in Luke and um, uh, John's account of the gospel. Uh, all of that stuff. Uh, well, maybe not the genealogies. That was a big deal to the people in the context. Uh, but, but the rest of these, the birth of John the Baptist, and these that are in um, red, I highlighted those because those were when an angel showed up. And, you know, I, if an angel showed up to give you a message, I think you'd probably remember it for you. I, I read a marquee from a veterinarian's office that said, uh, the first person to ever hear a parrot speak was probably not okay for several days. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm thinking the same thing. All these people that heard these angels show up, and they were probably not okay for several days. And those emotional memories just resonate in, in our memory. So, but all these, you know, the birth of John the Baptist, the angel showed up, uh, angel appeared to Mary, uh, angel appeared to Joseph and Dernier. And ironically, the angel's always saying, don't be afraid. And I'm thinking, you know, if you have to go around telling people not to be afraid, maybe you're the problem. But <laughs> angels can do that. Angels can do that. Uh, the birth of Jesus, uh, you know, a huge event. Uh, uh, his presentation at the temple and all these people recognizing him, they're, you know, making a big fuss, big, big emotional event. These strangers showing up in strange clothing, strange language maybe from a distant land with expensive gifts. I would remember that, you know, when the, when the wise men came and, and then you know, fleeing for your life to another country. Yeah, that, you probably remember that. All really big, life-changing, unexpected, sudden uh, emotional events. And then, and then there's one more that we don't read normally as part of the Christmas story. But 12 years later, Jesus and his family go to celebrate the feast of the Passover in Jerusalem. And they all get ready to leave in the caravan. Mary and Joseph head out, you know, and they get down the road for a day and they start looking for all the kids. I don't know, maybe it's supper time. And uh, one of them's not there. And, um, and they have to go back looking for him for three days. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm imagining they're... That's probably not accurate, but I'm imagining their prayer might have been something like, Dear God, you remember, <laughs> remember the angel that came and told us that we were going to be the caretakers of the promised Messiah, the Alpha, the Omega, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords? Well, we kind of lost him. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, that's an emotional moment. I, I, I doubt it was exactly like that. But I do know it was a big emotional moment. I don't know if any of you have ever lost a child for any length of time. We lost one. I lost one in a, in a crowded place for like uh, 15 seconds. I don't know. It might have been 30 seconds. It felt like an eternity. And uh, our daughter talks about somebody who's 
little kid ran through the airport security and nobody saw him go through and they were stuck on the other side and could so you know that you remember those things so that's how all these events were uh, up to this point uh, sometimes change comes that way it comes in our life to huge emotional events that we don't have control over uh, and the difference in whether we grow from them is how we respond to them uh, we, we, you can go back and look at these. How, you know, how Mary responded to the angel. They responded in faith, and, and, uh, the, and the rest of the story was built uh, from, from that. So there's one more um, thing that's recorded in that very last verse of Luke, and it's sort of, uh, uh, there's, there's eight to 18 more years go by, and the only thing that's said about Jesus between the age 12 and 30 approximately is in this one verse. Uh, so there's 18 years, 6,500 or so days represented in this one verse. And it is, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. I sort of, th- I, I sort of think about that verse as just like a page turn. You know, let's just get to the next page and see what's there. Uh, or, or it's like, a, like you're watching a movie and they have like, a, they represent the passage of time through through the changes of seasons, and you're like, there's no plot going on. It's just like, oh, okay, some, you know, some time went by. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I think that uh, there's, there's really some substance in there <laughs> uh, that we can probably take away uh, about Jesus' growth. A uh, few things. One, it, one, it was normal. Uh, this God with us grew and matured just like one of us. He grew physically. Uh, he grew in maturity and his wisdom. Uh, he grew socially and he grew spiritually, right? And I think, you know, if you take away any of those things, we sort of think of Jesus as, well, we knew he grew spiritually, right? He was, he was God and there was no, no one had a relationship with God like him. And he amazed when he, when he was lost in the temple. He was amazing people at his questions. And uh, so, so we know that about him. But he also grew physically, because he was one of us. You know, it's, uh, I read someplace, I don't know if anybody would know, but they, they, they estimated that people back then like, walked like 20 miles a day. If he, and and uh, you know he was physically fit to go through the crucifixion, just to, you know, f- for that kind of weight and, and uh, mistreatment, and he still endured it and stayed on his... You know, uh, so we know he, he, to do what he did in his ministry, he had to be physically fit. He, uh, uh, so, so he grew, but, but, the, but the, I think the point I like to bring out is, is that his growth was, was balanced. It's just not one-dimensional. Um, it was also slow. Uh, there there might have been, uh, you know, things that happened that were big events in, that, in those 18 years, but they're not recorded in Scripture. So I'm going to use the term unremarkable because there are no remarks in Scripture. So, uh, but 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 they were you know slow and behind the scenes, and um, you know sometimes that's how our growth happens. It's not all in big events. It's not all in the big wow moments. There was over those eighteen years. There was a lot of eating, spending time with family, going to church, going to school, doing chores, uh, hanging out with friends, just regular old stuff. But he was growing through all those years of the slow, uh, you know, and progressing to the point he was. Uh, prepared by God for his ministry in his 30s. So here's the takeaway for the new year. I gave you two. Here's three and four and five. Uh, your goals, 
make sure they're balanced, not just one-dimensional, focused on just the physical things. Make sure you're thinking as you're thinking about uh, physical or financial things. Make sure you're thinking about what's going on in your spiritual life. What, what, what are you gaining in wisdom? Uh, what's going on, you know, spiritually? Um, yeah, what's going on in relationships with other people? Uh, second is sometimes changes happen in your life as a result of huge, unexpected, scary events. And when they do, don't be afraid. God is with us. God is with you. Sometimes change happens slowly over a long period of time in unremarkable moments that nobody else even knows about. Don't be discouraged. God is still with you. Um, I think uh, I read or heard not long ago that one of the reasons, another reason that people fail in their goals is that they uh, make them too, uh, too ambitious. Like they, they want to get there too fast. Uh, they want to they lose 10 pounds between now and Thursday, you know. And you know, it takes 10, 10 years to gain it. It doesn't leave in four days, you know. So, so uh, I'll give you an illustration of this from running. I know that might not be your thing, so don't, don't tune me out. I know a few of you do that, and the rest of you probably think people who do are slightly insane. Uh, but it's one I identify with, and, I've, and I promise you there's something in your life that you're not going to get there in a day, um, but um, it takes some, practice, some persistence and time to get there. So I'm going to use the, the, the running example. Uh, um, if you are able today to run 10 yards, like about for me to meet a buddy, okay? If you run 10 yards and you do that every other day, you know, re- run your 10 yards today and then rest a couple of days, okay? Get up Tuesday morning and add 10% to that, run 11 yards, and then get up two days later and run 10 more percent, like 12.1 yards. Just keep adding 10%, but don't get too ambitious with it. Just add it every other day. By the end of April, you'll be running a mile. If you then say, okay, that's, that's crazy. Uh, I don't want to try to keep increasing every other day. I'm going to just wait and try to increase 10% once a week. So first week of April, a mile. I mean, first week of May, a mile. Second week of May, 1.1 miles. So I'm going to just gradually increase 10% each week. By Christmas, you'll be running a marathon. 10% at a time. And we, <laughs> we have this tendency uh, to want to get there right now. And we pray things, <clears throat> we, we pray to God about what we want, what we'd like, what we see change. And we're immediately waiting on the answer. And sometimes he answers then, sometimes he gives us things we didn't even know to ask for. And sometimes we get there just by slowly and persistently, like one drop at a time, uh, kind of, you know, this how the, how the Grand Canyon was formed, right? It's a you know, drop at a time over, over a long period of time. <clears throat> so, uh, so I'm going to recap the points. I promised you that. Or maybe those were already up there. I don't know. Were those there already? Okay. Well, here they are again. Do you mind if I say them even though you've been looking at them? Okay. It'll do me good. I'm kind of compulsive. I'd like to, I'd like to finish what I started here. So are, are my goals self-motivated? Are my goals motivated by self-ambition or conceit? Are they others-oriented? Are they balanced? 
uh, when huge expected changes happen, don't be afraid. God is with you. And when change is slow and unremarkable, don't be discouraged. God is with you. Uh, about this whole, you know, slow process of growth, I um, and I, I heard a statement not long ago. That was a definition of um, discipline. I think it was. And discipline discipline means giving up what we want now for what we want most. I'm gonna say that again because you know it's also I think it's also the definition of maturity is being able to give up what we want now for what we want most. And I thought about that. You know, uh, I think there's also a definition of spiritual maturity, which is giving up what we want most for what God wants most for us. And sometimes those are two different things, aren't they? Those are often two different things, what I want now and what I want most. So uh, so I I think that's probably just another check for us, you know, as we think about what we want out of the next year, what we want to give or get out of the next year. just, uh, just you know, separating the short term and the and the and the things that really matter over the long term. Uh, that's all I have, and um, hope, hopefully there's a morsel in that. There was for me. I, you know, uh, I told some folks earlier. If you want to, uh, I know like October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Uh, if you want to appreciate your pastor, just come do this one Sunday. <laughs> it makes you do that. You know, uh, just uh, but but it uh, you know it's a blessing for me to to to, to dig and think and and uh, I, I just hope for it that uh, some of the things that I learned from doing this are translatable and uh, and you have a morsel too that that God can uh, or a seed you know God can plant and let it uh, lead you to something thinking about something different or or doing something different and I'm going to pray that for you right now Father we thank you for your word we thank you that for its relevance. Uh, Again, these are these are not things that are for January. They're things that are for life. And uh, but as we go into January of 2024, I pray that you'd uh, uh, just let us uh, let us focus on you, the fact that you are with us, and the profound difference that that has in realizing who we are and the access that we have to the to the Almighty, who uh, who could have stayed in heaven and chose to come to earth. And uh, thank you for, uh, for the people here. Thank you for the encouragement that you allow us to be to one another. And I pray that some of what you've, what you've showed us in your word today uh, will be that and that we'd be, uh, we'd be people who are, are willing to give up what we want now for what we want most and what we want most for what you want most. And I pray these in Christ's name. Amen.